Welcome, welcome again to a very special rendition of Welcome to Fatherhood Interviews. My name is Sir Royce Brialis, and I'm with my prestigious co-host, Dr. Raheem Young. How's it going, brother? Everything's well. Mm-hmm. How you doing? Yeah, doing well, man. It's, it's a beautiful day out here in Chicago. So uh, I'm also pleased to announce we have a special guest all the way from East Africa, Regan Bariga. How's it going? <laughs> It's fair. It's very fair. <laughs> Greetings <laughs> from Uganda, Africa. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So tell us yeah. a little more about yourself, uh, Regan. Uh, you know, what do you do for a living or for a purpose? And also, how many kids you got and uh, what are their ages? Okay. Um, starting with my names once again, I'm Regan Buriga, um, the founder of Sharing Ministries Uganda. It's a community-based organization found in Mijana District, Uganda. I'm an automotive technician by profession. I do mechanic, mechanical works. Um, a member to the Board of Governors at Mutida Vocational Training Institute, uh, an institution that trains vocational school, skills. And I'm also the president of the Mutida Vocational Alumni Association. I think that's all about me. Yeah. Okay. Do you um do you yeah. have children? Children? Uh-huh. I actually have I, I actually don't have any children of my own, but under Sharing Ministries Uganda, we have a children's home where we have orphans, we have kids from the streets mm. and any other kids of the kind. We have 21 children under our care as as in, in our charity in, in sharing ministries uganda sharing ministries uganda is our brand name but we are registered as sharing organization uganda in internal district so i come in the category of a brother and a parent to the kids though not my own yeah. being the founder of sharing ministries uganda we are entitled to look after them care for them and provide the needs for them in our, according to our abilities. Yeah. That was great. That's, so how, how did you get involved with that? And um, like, how has that impacted you as a person? Working pardon? with the, the kids. Pardon? pardon the question? Well, I was saying, how, uh, how did you get involved with um, working with the kids and how has it uh, in, impacted you as a person? Okay. How I go to, to work with the kids is, I think, first of all, because of my personal background. Uh, before reaching to this stage, initially, at a very earlier stage, I was part of the kids under the same situations that they are going through. We were under church care. I had a father and a mother, but I was born by a young mother and who was later neglected by the dad, by my dad, because of fearing responsibility. They are both not ready. So my mother had to struggle with me in the initial stages to live well and also provide me the best. She had to work in different in different places. She had to work in schools. And then she works at the church. She worked at the church as a Sunday school teacher where she got connected to a church orphanage, where, where we grew from. She was a matron at a church orphanage. So when she became the matron, she was of course entitled to sleep and stay at the orphanage. And that's how I became part of the, uh, of the group. I was living with my mom at the place, and at times people thought I was an orphan, though I was not. So, during that course of time, we had to live together with the kids of the same nature, like the kids we look at, we look after now. Mm-hmm. So, in the course of that, we got to understand. I personally, and some few others, we got to understand the life they go through, the kind of uh, experiences they are going through, and it is that upbringing that taught me that probably we could also do that, do that because I'm what I am. The little I am is because at least I managed to be there. Yeah. It is where I got a future. It's where I got 
my my present situations are because of the past and because we got chances and opportunities from other people who could come to the orphanage look at us maybe decide to sponsor us and take us to some good schools or fair schools and they could give us a better life than what we had it of course gave us an impact and it made us the people we are so during the course of growing we realized that we needed to do the same thing that was done to us uh, first it was a proposal by my sponsor, the person who sponsored me, at some point, he, he had proposed to make a non-profit in Uganda, though he was Korean. When he proposed to make a non-profit, of course he wanted to do it, to do it through me because the non-nationals find it difficult to make businesses or even ventures in, in the country. So they have to do it through through people. So when he decided to do it through me, I was of course welcoming to, to the idea. We started, but it's unfortunate that he died on the course of the way. He died before I even finished my studies. I just finished ordinary level in secondary life when I was heading to advanced level and he died. But I appreciate the fact that he had taken, taken me to a better stage. He took me to one of the best primary schools and one of the best secondary schools in ordinary level. And he died when I, I was heading to advanced level. And we had to take on the life after. We had to do several things to get to uh, different levels. I had to go back for vocational studies. That is where I, get, I got connected to Tinder Vocational Training Institute. Well, I did a certificate in automotive mechanics. So when I was there, that is why I got connected to the vocational work. That's how I became a mechanic. And it is that course of life that has given us a reason to do exactly what was done to us. So when we see the increasing number of street kids on the street, on the roads, when we see the increasing number of orphans, due to parents dying of HIV stroke AIDS, parents dying of many other illnesses, because as you as you know, Uganda is among the countries with the least life expectancy. So many people die at an early stage, parents, young people, and others. So you find out that the young parents, the young, the youths especially, they sometimes die when they are having kids or children who tend to, to go through difficult situations when their parents die. Some kids get to get to, to become orphans at a very early earlier age. And you find out that when some kids get to that point, they are not looked at very well by the families. Probably when a father dies, they will promise to look after, after the kid and they will not provide the same education they are providing to their kids. They will, provide, they will not provide the same basic needs that they are providing to their kids. That's, that's when you find that a person loses a parent and is probably taken to a relative and they are forced to work, forced, to child, forced into child labor, and they are forced into different things. And you find them running to the streets because they are having unfair treatment at home. You find them going into different things, uh, becoming young thugs and some other things of that kind. So all that drives us to a point that we needed to come on board. As people of the same motives, we thought we could make an impact because if at all, we also pass through the same and we at least reach somewhere. If we could raise a hand and probably inform the, the communities of the goodness of that and work together with them in doing that, we thought it would be better. So that is how we came into this, this charity work. And we formed our own charity organization, which is a community-based. After forming it, 
we started on different projects, but our initial project was children under the children's focus initiative because it was the main reason for our starting. It was the core reason. So when we did that, we rented out a home where we could get, when we find the kids from the street, we could take them home. Those who, of course, those who want, because at times there is challenging because at times you can see a street kid and you decide to take him home and he runs away. Mm. Or you take him home and he doesn't feel like he wants to be uh, treated like that. When he's used to the street life, some of them, it is very challenging and difficult to take them off that life when they have taken some good time on the streets. So, of course, we work with the people who, who are workable with. When we get kids that are not rigid, kids that are not yet fully rigid, that's what I can say. We take them, we take them home, but of course we've stopped uh, taking them, many of them. We have a big number right now. It is even beyond, at times, beyond our ability. So we find it difficult to add on the numbers. We started with six kids, mm -hmm. and as time went on, we rented out a home. Uh, after renting the home, we started expanding and increasing on the number of kids. It came increasing gradually up until it reached 21. Yeah. And we used to add on slowly by slowly, and we couldn't realize the impact of that. Probably it was simpler when there are a few, when there are six, seven, eight. But when we reached a number like 15, it became a very huge number, difficult to handle. We added on until we reached, we reached 21. That is when COVID came in and many things changed. Our personal incomes were totally off and we had to suffer together with them. That's what I can say. Mm. Uh, then after that, after COVID, the impacts of COVID were, were worse, of course. So we decided to stop on that number. Though, of course, there are very many kids who need help. Many people come to our home, not even kids, but parents. Some parents come and they're like, I've failed to, to move on with the kids. I'm requesting to probably to leave the kid at the, to, to the home and I at least look for money to feed the kid when he's here. Mm. A person comes in such a situation and you fail to get a solution for him. When you, you also feel you're, you're beyond the limits and they're requesting, like the last two months we've got over six kids with their families. When they have a father, and a mom, and you find some, they're having single parents, sometimes with a very lesser income, and they come to you and they're like, we are, we are looking for assistance. And you tell them which kind of assistance you do need. We want to, to help our kid, probably to, to add him onto the list and keep him in the children's home, which is of course very challenging. And at times when we refuse, people might people think we are doing it in a bad faith, but they don't know. Many of them think a charity must is probably funded or what. They don't know. Some of them don't even know how how it comes to happening. We have to just explain to them and show them how we how we are and how how the thing is. Some understand. Some fail to understand, of course, but. That is how it has all been. That is how we are moving. We are having a number. Five of the six kids, we are putting them temporarily on the list. We are trying to provide when we have chance. Mm -hmm. But it is very rare and it, it is a very rare case. But we told them to take the kids home. When we have chance to provide something, we could at least call them to, to, to join the group and they get something and they move back home. Some of them don't even have a home. The, the parents are working in stone quarries. Uh, if you know stone quarries, the, the stone, the mines, they are like mines, yeah. mining sites yeah. where they get stones from the underground. So the, the, most of the parents are from that, that work and they have to live with the kids at the quarry sites.
So at times they feel challenged and they, they, that's why they wanted to leave the kids to us and probably, probably be looking for money. But the house was small and we couldn't compact the house with other people. The house was small and we had lesser resources to what they wanted. So we're having the, a number of more five on the list temporarily. So that's how we're moving. Right now, the number is 21. I think the whole story can cover the answer to the question you asked how we came up with the idea. Was it the question how we came up to be that with the kids? Oh man. Well yeah, um I was asking like how how you got connected with it and like the impact it, it had on you. Um uh, the, the impact. Yeah. Uh, I mean you covered uh, it. Okay. Yeah, you covered it. Yeah. Can you uh speak to the impact that you made on uh like one of the street kids that you guys have taken in? Like uh can you give us an example? Pardon, pardon. Can you give us a uh, a, question? A, a story about uh, of impact that you've made on one of the street kids that you guys have helped out since you since you started doing this type of this okay. work? Okay. Uh, of course, we have very very many examples of that. Uh, when you talk about the street kids, uh, not all are street kids, of course. The yeah. kids we have, but for street kids, I'll give you one or two examples. Mm, there is one called. Hamza, one of the kids, we found him on the streets. At the lake side, there is a lake in Mitiana district called Lake Wamala. So this kid was dumped. He was dumped by parents, probably a single parent, at a very younger age on the streets. When we found him, they were of course looking for the parent. He was very young, without a person responsible. Uh, sometimes parents have a habit of dumping the kids. Let me say the young, very young kids. They can move like in a public means of transport, like a taxi, and they, they dump the kid there and he runs away. Probably those who fear responsibility, those who don't have what to give the kids, and some other stuff. Some are traumatized, some are having different challenges. So uh, we found Hamza when he was dumped. And of course, people are looking for the parent. At a very younger age, he was knowing the names of the parent, uh, but couldn't, couldn't trace where they, they are from. So they took him to a local station where they announce, where they make announcements. And they looked for the parent for over four days and the parent was nowhere to be seen. So we went there and asked for the child because when they, when such an instance happens here, most cases, because we have very uh, children's homes and whatever, they, they are very, very rare. So when it happens, the police can take care of the kid for probably a week or, or a lesser time. So after, when they see that nothing is happening, they are not coming up to a conclusion, they look for people who can manage to take care of the kids. So we went there and we asked for, for the kid. When we went there, of course, he was knowing the names of the parent, who was trying to, to tell more about the parent to, to show that they, they, they knew the parent. So when we got him, our first task was to look for the parents. We moved places looking for the parents. Of course, we, we had the names of the mother and the father, but it seems Hamza was living with a single parent, but he knew both names of the parents. So we looked for the parent, we dug deeper and we moved to the place where they suspected to be the village where the parent came from. And when we reached there, we found out that the parent had committed suicide probably. I think he was traumatized or he had challenges. When we knew about the, the entire story, 
and we, we couldn't tell the kid. The kid was young, but he was understanding because if at all he knew the names of the parents, he knew a bit about themselves, the, the family, uh, he was understanding. So we first hid, it, hid the facts from him, but when he understood the, the when it, when someone told him, he was totally off. He was also off. I, I mean, his minds were off. So we told him we, we are talking, we are taking him, and he refused. He totally refused to go with us, but he had nowhere to go because it was like the parent was renting out space. He had rent areas, he was being demanded. Uh, they had many challenges, I think. So he dumped him when he was probably going to commit suicide. So, so the kid refused and he had to run away. When he ran away, he thought he was going to get probably people around the village to, 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 take, to take him. No one accepted him and he was in suspense. So we tried talking to the kid, but he was young. We took him home and he failed to coordinate to, 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 to be with other kids. He failed to, how can I say it? To coordinate, to, to get used to other kids. So he failed and he was a bit traumatized. So we, we always talk to him, we always talk to him and he could run away from home. He could run away and we could get him back. He could run away and we could get him back. So after some time, we took him into school. When he went to school, he got used to us slowly by slowly because we are new people into his, into his life. When he took him to school, he met new people and he tried changing slowly by slowly. But the, the big reason for saying, uh, talking about his story is one, when we started living with him, he was a person who didn't know God, number one, because probably of the, the background. He didn't know God. He had no discipline at all. And he was, he was a thief, a young thief, let me say like that. He was probably, they had different challenges at home probably. And he had different kinds of behaviors. But when we we got into when we got time with him, we tried to change him, we tried to shape him up. By the time he started schooling, at least he had changed totally. Because the person who came without knowing God had started going to church because we we take the kids to church every Sunday. He had changed and was going to church every every Sunday. He was he used to run away from home and go to probably, I, I think he was used to some, some was, he kind of used to the streets. So he could run away from home, you find him, get him back. He could steal things from home and run away. Steal things from the neighborhood and run away. Sometimes we could cane him. Uh, sometimes we could, we could use all means to, to discipline him, but, all of a sudden, when he started probably going to church and he started probably learning about different things with the, the, the kids at the church, the Sunday school, the what, it changed him slowly by slowly and the treatment he used to get at home, he changed, he changed totally. He became a bully at home because, <laughs> because probably of the, the, the past he had. He became a bully and he changed slowly by slowly. Up to now, he has characters of bullies, but he's a good kid right now. And it is one of the one of the reasons I'm proud about that is at least we are able to change him. A person who came at a younger age, but very indisciplined, very stubborn, and from a different background, a very difficult background, a background of a person, of, of a parent who just died, a parent who was challenged and had different problems. So that is one of the stories. I, does it answer your question? Yes, definitely. So I, I know you talked about um, 
the the child who you're just referring to as his parents had like mental health issues um yeah. is there like a a big uh, do you all talk about like mental health a lot like in Uganda as far as like ways to address it or just like mental health as an issue uh to be real I will be real to you mm -hmm. uh, mental health in Uganda is not talked about okay. it is on percentage, I would say it is probably like 5% to 10% considered. Mental health, trauma, uh, and all things of that kind are not talked about here. Many people are traumatized here, but we don't have mental health wellness centers. We don't have things of that kind. They are just developing. I don't know why, probably because of the underdevelopment of the country. I think we are backward somehow to, to, to the level of the countries you are. They don't address mental health. They are just trying to bring it in. But you find families that are traumatized, families that have challenges, people who are mentally disturbed, people who are having mental challenges, but they are not helped. They are not advocated for. It is a very few companies that are trying to bring it out, but people in the general community are not knowing about it. And I think it is in the, how will I call it? It is in the legit world, the, the, the people who are probably high class, the rich that can know about it because of their, their, their association with people from outside, because of their uh, their knowledge, because they are studied and some sort of that kind. But mm -hmm. generally, people from the, the the downtown, people from the the villages, people from the poor communities don't know about mental health. They don't know about about that. Mm -hmm. That's what I can say. Yeah. Okay. Can you speak more about your uh, mechanical background? What, what made you want to uh, become a mechanic? A mechanic. So about the mechanical work, uh, it was in 2017 uh, when, of course, when the, the, the sponsor I told you about when he died, I couldn't move on. So I chose to get, we chose with the mom and the dad. Uh, we chose where, where I could best fit and I, I decided to choose a vocational skill. I mean a hand a hands-on skill which could take me on because vocational education here is a bit cheaper from this other advanced education. So I had to branch off to vocational education to get a skill and I decided mechanical work. So when I reached there, I had gone to the garage initially before when I had learned some bit of practicals, but I, of course, wanted to acquire papers. So when I reached there, I started when I knew a bit about the mechanical work. So after the course, of course, I came back during the time of industrial training, internship, and joined the garage. Then after the internship, I was retained at the garage, and I worked there for the rest of my time. I had to work into different kinds of mechanics. I did automotive mechanics of engine, engine repairs, of generally car, car, car repairs, car part repairs. But after some time, I had to join the panel beating sector, the vehicle body sector. And I also learned the, the painting, the sanding, and other, uh, other, other works involved in the vehicle panel beating. So my experience in automotive mechanics is basically in general car body repairs, like suspension system, like brake system, steering system, uh, and light, the lights. And I'm also having an experience in some part of panel beating. I don't know whether I'm, I'm clear in, in that side of panel beating, the painting side, the, generally the cars which get involved into accidents and they come with 
when they are weird, we can then get them back to shape, uh, do the necessary processes, the sanding and whatever, until we get them to the painting process. So I think I have an experience in almost all parts of the automotive sector. The, these, these repair parts, the repair sector, the repair sector. I've got experience in that. The only challenging part is the engine repair. Of course, I did I did all, all types of repairs, but the engine was in another sector. I have a little knowledge about it, but I won't say it, it's enough for that. So I have the knowledge about these kinds of other repairs, apart from the engine, the suspension, the steering, the, the lights, also some bit of wiring, and then the, the panel beating part. Yeah. Okay. I know I want um I want to ask you a question about uh, your your dad. I know earlier in the conversation when you were saying that he kind of ne he neglected your mom early on. Yeah. Um. Did she ever talk about him, or do you know anything about him? So now the the at the time he went away when we were still young. Uh, of course, we had many years without him. That's when we were at the orphanage, at the, the, the church. Regan, you still there? Maybe have some connection issues. Pardon the question. Yeah, I was um I was asking if you if your mom ever talked about your dad or like if you know anything about him. Oh yeah. So I was talking about it. So when, when he went away, of course, they remained into contact. I used to, to sometimes also talk to him on phone, but they were not, he could fail to provide needs because probably of the, the, the situation he was in. When we went to, to, to the orphanage, they were in contact and they could probably meet sometime. I didn't know about it. Uh, probably because I was angry about uh, angry at him. Mm. Sometimes she couldn't tell me, but I think they could meet sometimes. So as time moved on, he, the, the, my mom, had to move away from the orphanage and rejoin dad into in marriage, uh, informal marriage, I can say. But by by the time he he called him, he called her. Sorry. I was in my primary seven. I was a candidate probably. When mm -hmm. when we, she was deciding to leave the orphanage, she wanted to go back to him. So when she was deciding, I already had a sponsor and I was having good education. I was having, I was almost having all necessities. The sponsor was giving in some, some hope which was adequate. When I knew about it, of course, I was upset because I didn't know him very much, and I had nothing to, to talk about him because he was not there for me, as a matter of fact. So she tried to convince me, and she had to add some more as, as she was working. But she, they were into contact when I was not knowing. They were into contact when I was not knowing. So when I reached secondary level, she, she, she went from the from the orphanage and she joined him. I first I, I first didn't stay there because I was in secondary and I was in boarding and I was always at school. And sometimes I could even remain at school during holidays. So when I came back, I found that she had gone back there. And when she was there, things could change. They could sometimes they could be happy together and things could change at times. And I could get angry at that and 
mamu mamu could be like she had no 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 reason to tell to tell no no how can i say, say that she had no reasons to tell me about that so she was also she was also ashamed of herself so they got back together after that time i didn't get so much time with him but he started getting closer to me during that time because they are together when i could get back home i could find them there and sometimes the man could go away because he worked in distant places he could get away and live in in the home and we could be together so as a matter of fact basing on that i know everything about my dad mm. i i've lived with him for some time and that's why i was saying after the, the the death of my sponsor we had to decide on what to do with the entire family the mom and the, the, the dad also could give in ideas but i wasn't that connected to him we weren't we weren't in good contact with each other so sometimes even up to now we still try to 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 to, to bond the connection to, to to connect more and better but it is not that possible because of probably some reasons but i'm in contact with him i know him and i know everything about him and he knows me he knows everything about me so what i can say currently my mom is with him at home and when i'm to to visit my mom i'm to visit the whole family i'm to visit him and the entire family the, the other siblings of mine so they are together that's why i can say Did, uh, did your dad ever tell you uh, the reason why he left? Did you did you ever get uh, any understanding behind that? Not really, not really. But I think I know the reasons yeah. because uh, your mom tried to be to, to to tell me. At first, at first time, it was fear of responsibility, uh, and the other thing was he wasn't ready for because. So he was fearing responsibility he wasn't ready for that he had no adequate probably adequate resources to resources to move on a family he had no adequate things to take on and he had to run away he went in a distant place but remained he remained in, in contact with the, the mom mom could call him ask for needs and he could he could probably take off the phones and whatever and hide but Mom told me at times he could send when he was able to, the little he could be able to, but most of the times he could be off. Sometimes the phones could be off when we needed them. Uh, it wasn't accessible when we needed it. But I can't I can't say much about it because if at all they are together at the moment, I don't know the the moments, the, the, the memories they hold together. I, she must be knowing the the other reasons i even don't know that's why that's probably why they are together even now that's why i can say yeah uh, so um how many siblings do you have how many other siblings do you have there are five five, five. yeah oh, okay uh, <laughs> how much uh i'll take it you're the oldest right yeah. So what's yeah. like the age yeah. range between you and your siblings? Pardon? What's what's the age range between you and your siblings? Oh uh I think uh, I I don't I don't know exactly the ages of the, the last siblings. I think I know the, the ages of the the ones I'm closer to. Um twenty-five right now. Uh the other the, the one next to me is 10, 23 the other is 20 those are the ones i know i'm sure of the ages the younger ones i'm not very sure of the ages because i'm not i've not been closely at home with them okay yeah. can you um can you talk about like uh uganda like what what do you all do out there for fun and like how how is it out there for fun. Uh-huh. Uh, very many things, very many things. 
but I think a bit different from yours. Uh, first of all, for fun, uh, we have sports. Uh, we have sports football. Many youths get involved into football. They play football, though not commercial football. Football is not paying here. It paying, it's paying very less, but many of the, 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 the youths and the children like to play football. Some like to play volleyball. Some, uh, if you like to play basketball, it is for probably the civilized youths. <laughs> the civilized youths here are the ones who play, football, who play basketball. So football is one of the biggest activities that occupy the, 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 the life of the, the youths here. Uh, the other things they, they go for enjoyment are swimming, swimming on the lakes. They have local beaches. I will not say beaches because your beaches are totally different from, from most of what we have here. They, they go for swimming on local beaches, on the, on the lakes. Uh, then sometimes on the swimming pools, some hotels have some some swimming pools. They go for swimming. Uh, then others enjoy night clubs, the discos. There are very many here, very very many, the night clubs. Uh, that is, I would say almost all youths go for discos. Almost all, uh, leaving alone the, the 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 ones in the the church youths. I would say. The ones who are involved in church. There are some who are involved in church and they have very lesser time for for athletic pleasures. That's what I can say. Those don't go for clubs. But others, most of them go for clubs. The campuses. Right now, I'm also studying. I'm doing a diploma in mechanical engineering. So I'm having much of my time at campus. I've just resumed the studies. But the, the, the life of the people at campus is totally different from the general community because the campuses love to out most of the time. They go for clubs, they go for swimming, they go for football, they go for tours and travels, long distance tours. Uh, that's of course lesser compared to that side. It is for those who have some money because touring is for for those who have some some good money, but they are embracing it. Tourism is getting embraced right now. This side, people are starting to do it. They are starting to move longer distances, uh, touring, seeing new places, seeing new things. Uh, I think the things that take most of the people's uh, time, as in the the youths, yeah. Yeah, you mentioned uh, before uh, about feeling upset uh, about your dad or about your mom and your dad getting back together. Uh, how do you feel about it now? Uh, did you get over that feeling? Of course, there is that 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 remains at heart. Uh, I'm okay with it because they are, they are happy together. But of course, there is some bit of uh, how can I call it? There is that that simple hatred that remains there because probably of the the past you remember. But I'm okay with it. I'm free with it. But I won't say that I'm 100% okay with it. Yeah. It's still like a little animosity. Pardon? I was saying it's still like a, a little bit of animosity there. Uh, like a little tension between like um, your feelings towards you and your well, your mom and your dad being together or your dad leaving in the beginning. I'm not getting the question very well, sorry. Oh no, I was just um, I was just saying mm -hmm. it's still like a little animosity towards your dad for leaving in the beginning. Oh. <laughs> I was saying from the beginning up to now, how should I say that? Okay, okay, yes, I will say. 
I'm failing to have a way to explain to it. Uh, I'm I'm actually failing to have a way to explain it. Probably because the question is not clear. Oh well, um, I know you were saying like uh, it was something still there, right? something still there about your dad, right? And I was just, uh, I was just like trying to add to it, like asking, is it like animosity, or um, you know, just the feeling that you were trying to describe? Oh, okay, okay. The feeling I'm saying is like when a person does you something bad, huh? And probably maybe you are friends and you have some strange feeling to the person that you're trying to to love him or trying to love them. But you have something that is hindering you from from loving them. That is like a negative feeling that they are trying to do good to you, but you have something you remember from them about them, and it takes you. It brings negativity. That's what I'm trying to mean. Does it answer your question? Well, yeah, it does. Yeah. Do you feel like your relationship with the kids you work with does that um, does that kind of help you? I guess. So the the children that you work with, do you feel like you um, work with them because? Uh, okay. Do you feel like your relationship with your father is? Um, like, does it play into the way that you interact with the kids you work with, or does it? Of course, the, the your relationship with the kids. Of course, as a matter of fact, my past experience becomes the reason for me doing this. Mm, I'm trying to pass on the love to the kids who don't have it. Not me, but us all as a team as we're doing it. I'm trying to pass on the love, the care the, to the kids who, are, who can't have it. Because as a matter of fact, I know it is very hurting. It is very disturbing to the, to the kids themselves. And I'm sure a kid who has no father or a kid who has no parent, having uh, out of 100, they're having 50% chances cut off their life to be better and successful. So. I think I would I would have been very far if we had a very be, better family, probably a well family, a family together, something like that. I think I would have been very far, much more further than I am. But because of certain challenges and happenings, I think they became part of my, I don't want to, to use failure, but part of the, the person I am now. So I think I'm having, some things that drive me into the, doing this. I'm trying to give them an experience that they don't have because I've lived with some kids who are much more worse than they are. Because when we lived there, we had different kids of different kinds, the different backgrounds. And we, we got to learn the people. You know, it is the challenges that we faced that taught us to be the people we are. That is why probably sometimes kids from rich families don't have a helping heart to a helping heart that will go for, for probably the very poor. They might have the heart that will donate something little when they are, of course, influenced. But some people from rich families don't, don't, don't I don't want to, to, to say it, but don't have that heart to help because they haven't seen that. They haven't been through that. So I think my past experiences are building me to do this. Yeah. You know, if you do something, if you go through something, of course, you know what happens in, in through the way. And you'll not, what, you'll not want another person to pass through the same situation. But if you have not passed through a situation, you might find it very hard to fit into the, the the lives of others who are passing through it. So 
I think that life we had from childhood to this current age has given me a reason to do this. My past experience experiences are driving me to do this. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, my next question to you, Regan, is uh, actually a question that I already asked. Uh, the question is, uh, what does fatherhood mean to you? And I'll uh, read your response. It was a real good one. Uh, you said, fulfilling the male responsibilities at home. So in, in your opinion, what are the, uh, are the male responsibilities? Pardon? What are the um, what are the male responsibilities uh, for a father, in your opinion? Okay. Uh, as I wrote to you, may I think fatherhood is simply, as you've just said, the the act of fulfilling the roles of a parent at home, a male parent. So, by fulfilling the the, the roles of a parent. I expect a father to provide love to the kids, provide care in form of basic needs to the kids, and provide time to the kids. Yeah, that is what I understand from a, a, a father, a parent. Yeah. Is this so brief or it can answer your question? No, that, that's perfect. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So I know okay. that I know you don't have any uh, biological kids, but you have kids that you work with that you take on a parental role okay. in their lives. So if you could give advice to like uh, a father that's new, that's starting out, uh, what advice would you give to to that person? Mm, the advice I give to fathers, those who have kids, though I don't have, mm. is first of all to provide time for their kids. Most times we, we are very busy. Mm -hmm. we, we tend to have things to do much more because at times you find out that a father is busy looking for probably money to, to run a home. I can say that. Yeah. And they forget to find time for the family. But even if you, you might make that money to run a home and you find out you don't have a relationship with the, the kids, they don't take you as a father. They don't take you as a mother because you don't get any time with them. You provide to them. Those are the kinds of parents you see. They provide all kinds of needs to the kids and the, the kids don't respect them as, as their parents. Mm -hmm. So I advise any parent to, to provide time for their kids. And it is through provision of time that will create the love because love comes, comes as a result of giving time to someone and being there for this for someone. Yeah. So when they give them time, of course, any kid who get to have a unending love to, to, to towards their parents when they have time for them. They'll get memories, they'll get time, they'll get experiences that will never be forgotten by each of them. So I advise them to create time for the kids, love their kids, and finally support their kids. Sometimes we are not able to provide to, to people. You might be a father and you're not able to provide to the kids, probably because you, you're having a lesser income. And it's not, it is not bad. But sometimes they make it a challenge when they can't support their kids and they don't want to, they are not willing to, to listen to their kids. Probably you, you might not be able to, to support them otherwise, but you can support them one way, in one way or the other. Accept and believe in, in what they are saying. Uh, if they have great ideas, embrace them. Uh, that is the kind of support I'm meaning. If they have somewhere they want your financial assistance, if it is there, help. If it is not there, at least. If, it, if the fact is right, embrace the fact and accept the fact. But there are some parents who who will not even accept something because they, they are not ready to or able to, to provide. And they will not be able to, to, to listen to you. And they will be rigid. That all not doesn't make a great parent. At least 
where possible, don't do it to the kid, read it to the kid. Um, show them at least that if they have a constructive idea, you buy it. If it is not, at least show, show them your side. That is what I mean. Thank you. Great answer. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for doing this, Regan. This has been a great interview. Definitely uh, thank you for taking the time out. Uh, if you can uh, point the people to uh, where to find you uh, online, uh, where would you send them? Uh, online? Um, I'm on LinkedIn as Riga Buriga. Uh, they can find me there on LinkedIn. They can find me on Facebook as Regan Buriga. They can find me on Twitter as Regan Buriga. I think that's all. Uh, they can also connect to me via Sharing Ministries Uganda. Um, we are we are on on YouTube as Sharing Ministries Uganda. We are on Instagram as Sharing Ministries Uganda. I think with those links, they can find me anywhere. Yeah, awesome. So yeah, I'll share those links in the, the description below. So uh, okay. Dr. Young, did you have uh, any other questions for Riga? Uh, the questions I would ask probably, first of all, uh, how you came together you and him uh -huh. to come up with this uh, that is the first question probably i have for you okay um well <laughs> it started out as um we used to meet to talk about different business ventures we can uh start and um during the time of that conversation uh race was expecting his first child and um, a lot of the, the business conversations would turn into like what to expect from parenthood or from parenting okay. or having, having a kid. And um, from that, we thought it, you know, it'd be good for me and to have something to talk about fatherhood and relationships and parenting. And uh, that's how the concept for Welcome to Fatherhood came about. Okay. So you used to meet physically, uh, I think you're from Australia, is it? Oh no, we're we're both we're both in uh in the states. Yeah. I thought one of you is in Australia and the other is in the United States. No, we're, oh, that's we're both great. in the states. Okay, so how did you come to meet Cabo? We uh did a uh an interview same way we did uh an interview with you. We did an interview with him also, mm -hmm. and he introduced okay. us to you. He said, "Yeah, you'll be a good guy to talk to because you're doing uh." Amazing work out there in Africa. So uh, I'm glad okay. we connected. Because yeah, uh, it's, it's it's amazing to hear your story. Because um, you have a lot of a lot of perseverance in your story. A lot of uh, you know not not giving up, and uh, that's stuff that people need to hear. And uh, okay. I'm glad that we're able to to have this conversation to to connect people who are are following to to your organization. Because uh, you know you're doing really great work out there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that is great then. So I hope to have a journey probably with you. Uh, we I think we can we can do something big with you, mm. and I hope to use your 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 channels probably to build uh, ours too. Uh, by that I mean building on adding on the number of people that the following. I know you have a huge following. You have a, a more huge following than we do. So I hope to have more people coming on board to to join us into our journey, uh, to know about us, about what you do, we do. And of course, if there is chance, add on what we do. Of course, we will come any folk would like to visit us this side. Uh, if there are some of those who would wish to do mission trips and any things of the kind, it be touring, we welcome them. They can come as tourists, tourists, and of course visitors, and we get more connected. So hope to connect more and more in all possible ways. Getting into contact with each other, helping with helping each other in in form of um, providing knowledge to each other, assistance, and all sorts of the kind. Yeah, for sure, for sure. For sure. Yeah, let's stay connected. 
So we're gonna go ahead and uh, wrap it right here. So for uh, for myself, for Sir Royce Brialis, for my co-host Dr. Raheem Young, and also for our special guest all the way all the way from Uganda, Riga and Bariga. Uh, thanks again for listening to Welcome to Fatherhood interviews, and stay tuned for further announcements.